0: Welcome to episode number 34 of the Four Animals for Earth podcast. Volunteer with animals in Costa Rica.
1: At the beginning, I see people getting very upset when I try to explain to them, but when they finish the tour, they totally understand. And they actually are very grateful that now they have this knowledge and they can tell other people uh, what goes behind these selfies, you know. You were just listening to one of my
0: heroes, Vanessa Lisano of Rescue Center Costa Rica. At the end of 2019, Sean and the kids and I had a chance to visit her property where she rescues tons of wild animals from sloths to macaws to monkeys. And the whole time that we were touring around her property, I kept thinking, what a dream it would be to somehow connect with Vanessa again. I mean, do you ever do that? Do you ever travel someplace and the whole time you're there, you're thinking, how do I get back? (laughs) You know, How do I either come back here and visit? How do I move here? And you start making all these plans. I don't know. I definitely do that. And I was doing that with Vanessa when I was there visiting. And um, what happened today in this interview is that I I got a chance to get to know her more, and she really gave me a look inside what rescuing animals in Costa Rica is like, from the ups and the downs and the true danger for that line of work where she lives, as well as the positive involvement that the government has in animal welfare there. And she shared a simple idea for all of us when we travel, which was do not take photos holding, touching, or posing with animals. And she talks to us in this interview about why that's so important. One more thing that I really loved about this interview in particular is that it was a good reminder for me that technology and a strong internet connection are not the end-all be-all of life. So Vanessa joined me from her phone, held up to her ear with one hand, and holding a baby sloth in her lap with the other. And you'll hear sometimes the wind blows, we got cut off a couple of times, but all in all, I felt that talking to her actually transplanted me to her area deep, you know, in the wilderness in Costa Rica, and I hope that while you listen, you find yourself transplanted to like it did for me. So for today's show notes and links to everything that we talk about, go to foranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 34. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals, Four Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. I wonder if you can start off by painting a picture for us of where you are. I know you're holding a baby in your lap right now. And I also wonder if you could just tell us a bit about where you are in Costa Rica.
1: Well, right now I'm in Guasima, La Juela, and that's quite near the, the San Jose airport. Um, but uh, the location is really, really beautiful. I think it's kind of an oasis in the middle of the city, uh, we have a waterfall. There, there's a lot of forest around. And, well, yeah, as you said, right now I'm holding a, a new baby sloth that actually came in yesterday night. And it was because uh, the location where he was, the trees were cut down by um, by local, uh, I don't know how you call that. The, the, like they were doing it for wood, and the tree came down with the mom. The mom sadly died, and that's how uh, we got the call to get the baby. Oh, so is that something that happens often? Yes, sadly, yes. We get a lot of the the orphans either by um, the cutting down of the trees and the rainforest or also dog attacks. Dog attacks is a big issue right now here in Costa Rica um, because people keep their dogs outside without a leash. So because we are so close to the forest area, many times when the sloth goes down to the ground um, to go pee-pee or potty, that's when the dogs usually attack the moms or the even the baby. Oh, wow. And why does a dog attack them? Is it for food or just territory? I think it's territorial. Um, like we've had different cases, like Even like very sad cases, like we have one sloth right now named baby Achilles. And what actually happened was that when the mom came down to go to the bathroom, um, the dogs attacked the mom and the mom in like in the nervous, desperate state, she actually attacked the baby too. Mm. So the mom was fine, but she left the baby behind uh, with several wounds. And then we have other stories. Uh, we actually had from the other rescue, a golden retriever that went to the woods and came back with a baby sloth attached to its head. Hmm. Uh, so hmm. it was just like sniffing around and the baby sloth attached to the head. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, <Interesting. yeah. laughs>
0: Interesting.
1: so you have a lot of
0: sloths mm-hmm. there. What other type of animals do you, do you take in there?
1: We are taking in anything that's wildlife. Uh, We have an ocelot. Um, Her name is, uh, his name is Cristiano. And he was actually part of a pet trade. Sadly, he was given the wrong diet. So he has a bone deficiency and that's why he can't go back to the wildlife. He doesn't know how to hunt. He's like having a a baby cat, but uh, (laughs) a little bit more aggressively playful. Um, But he's doing pretty fine. Uh, We have a coyote. Her name is Lily. She also came from pet trade. Um, And then we have right now um, that I'm actually looking at my sister (laughs) feeding the baby howler monkey. And that one came from the Guanacaste area. And it was also a dog attack. And the mom actually died in the attack defending the baby. Mm. Goodness. So yeah, it's sloths, monkeys,
0: (laughs) a lot. Sweet. And, and, um, and you have, so you just mentioned your sister. Do you do this with your sister? Does she live there on the property with you?
1: Yeah, we are here all the time. Um, and then we have like our vets. Uh, we have Raquel, which is our, our like local vet. She stays here Monday through Friday and it's always on call. And right now we have two other Spanish vets that are here all the time. So it's, it's really good. And we're having a really nice vet team, so so we pro. I feel pretty safe uh, bringing in the animals and knowing that they get the proper care. That's amazing
0: that you have been able to set up such a, um, a strong network of people there. And I know like physically creating this space also has been a project for you over, has it been a couple of years that you've been building this new space and getting it ready to hold everyone, animals and people?
1: Well, um, actually, we started uh, uh, last year. I actually started with COVID, which was a pretty bad time to start, but it actually worked out. (laughs) Um, I was looking for the property and I came across this location and it had pretty much everything we needed uh, location-wise. Like it used to be a farm where people came as as, as like uh, weekends where they could like, jump in the pool and do different activities. And it had these little houses. So so the main house, which is the volunteering house, that's where volunteers are staying right now. And then the other little houses, we turned one into the baby animal hospital. And the other one, we're actually still working on it to make it just a rescue center hospital. So we can have the, the different parts. And then in the middle, they used to have like a winery. <laughs> So that became the Animal Kitchen, which uh, the winery is now filled with fruits and vegetables. For the animals. <laughs> That's
0: pretty fun. Um, I know that a big part of your program is having volunteers come and stay with you on property. That is something I dream of doing at some point. I have it towards the top of my bucket list. And I know that, I don't know, how many people per year come typically and stay with you, I we should say, I guess, before COVID, and then we can talk about what's happened since COVID.
1: Well, before COVID, we used to have around 30, an average of 30 to 40 people a month. Okay. Um, staying, some people stay only, usually like the volunteers come for two weeks, some stay longer, like for months or just one month. But yeah, it was an average of 30 to 40 people per month um so it was a a a good way to maintain the center this is how we pay um the vets the medical supplies uh making of the cages like all the different needs that the rescue has Mm -hmm. um and yeah then after COVID, we we had to get a little bit uh, creative seeing with all the the different things we did lose all the volunteers um, right now, we have one <laughs> who's actually helping us a lot, uh, and we're grateful for any help we can get. But uh, it, it's been a little bit hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, and we are, thank God, getting new reservations and people actually wanting to, to come. And I think also with the COVID situation, people do want to get out and do something different since they have been in lockdown for so long.
0: Mm. That's good news. So is Costa Rica open? Like, can people travel there now if they want to?
1: They are open right now. Um, like we, because I think because Costa Rica is very open space, then we are quite safe in that area, I would say. Um, the rescue here, like uh, when we had a couple people we just keep a distance between each other. We use masks when we go inside the hospitals. Uh, also when we are treating with the monkeys, mask is a must because we don't know, you know, with COVID, it, it can be transferred to the monkeys. Mm. And the only thing that has changed is that we do ask any of the volunteers coming to have a COVID test or the vaccines. So okay. that's the only changes right now, but but yeah, we like it's definitely open. A lot of people are back in the beach, they are going back into hotels, um, getting a little vitamin, sun, <laughs> sunshine, <laughs> so every everything is coming back, yeah. yeah. Oh
0: that's that's good. It's um you know sometimes it's kind of hard to tell from Los Angeles because I think we are a little bit behind everyone else in coming back but it does sound exciting and I can even feel a little bit of momentum here that things are starting to get back to normal and like you said people are really kind of getting to that point where they really really want to find that um, I guess, excitement in life again, you know, that comes with traveling or getting out to the beach or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, how, if someone wants to book to come stay with you, what is the best way to do that?
1: Uh, directly on the website. Um, it's, it's pretty easy. It's rescuecenter.com. And there it, uh, you have the option to volunteer, to be part by donating, to come do a tour if you're ever in Costa Rica and one of the things that we are planning to do in the future if our internet gets better it's a virtual tour soon oh that's
0: fun that's fun can you describe for me what would a day look like for a volunteer what does an average day look like if someone comes to stay with you and to learn about you know helping animals while they're there
1: Well, uh, we wake up pretty early. The wake time is at 7 a.m. And at 7 a.m., we start preparing the food for the daily animals. Like the most active ones would be the monkeys and uh, the macaws and all the parrots that we have here and the deers. So it's pretty much prepare the animal food, start cleaning their cages. And we are done about 8 8 a.m. And 8.30, we have breakfast. And then we continue with the daily activities, which is again, start cleaning the cages, start feeding the other animals, um, look for leaves for the sloths. And then we have lunch and it's a little bit break until 1.30. And then you start all over again, (laughs) which is, uh, and we make also, we have to make enrichment in the afternoons for for the other animals. You know, the ones that have to stay in the sanctuary they need a lot of uh, different stimulus like uh, making toys and making different activities for them so that they, they stay uh, mentally fine. Because
0: mm-hmm. that's a really important part of it, right? Because that since they're not able to be back out in the wild, you, I, from what I understand, it requires a lot of creativity on the human part to keep coming up with new things that will keep them um, keep their brains and yeah, I guess it's their brains and there's their emotions up, right?
1: Yeah, correct. Like, because it's sad, like, uh, when, like, they, they comes to different um, points and the vet has to get involved and the biologist and also the government of Costa Rica, we all take part to decide if an animal will go back to the wild or, or it is an animal that has to stay in a sanctuary. Um, when that is decided is it is sad but we have to manage to make the best life for that animal that we can, because it's usually they can go back to the wild because of human interaction. So it's pretty much our fault. So we see it as a way of give back a little bit to them to make the rest of their life the most comfortable and entertaining for them that we can.
0: Something about Costa Rica that, I've read and I guess the little bit that I saw when we were visiting there um, is that animal welfare really seems to be in a very good place in terms of the way the government treats it and also just the general mentality of the people who live in Costa Rica. You mentioned that the government is involved along with you and with the vets in deciding whether an animal can go back into the wild. Um, Is the perception that I've gotten of Costa Rica that even the government is very focused on trying to keep animals in their natural habitats. Is that true? Like, did I pick up the right perception? And is that something that you think is
1: kind of special to Costa Rica? It is true. And um, right now, uh, the government has been very active and strict with all the new laws that come with animals. Uh, One big one that we have in Costa Rica that we actually tell volunteers and tell tourists is, I don't know if you've heard about the animal selfie. Like that has been a big issue. I have not but is that is somebody
0: like touching an animal is is the is it someone's touching an animal to take a photo or
1: yeah it's it's actually the the movement is called stop animal selfies and this is because it it was part uh Costa Rica was actually sold as a part of a tourist attraction that people thought they could come here and just like hold the sloth and take a picture the problem with this was that it became part of a Bad tour industry and what was happening. And this is what I used to see in Limon, um, was that kids would actually steal the baby sloths from the trees and would have them at the side of the roads. And tourists will stop to take pictures with them. Uh, This happens also in other places like Ecuador, Honduras. It happens a lot with uh, cruise ships. When you get down from the cruise ships that you see different people holding different animals. by doing this and taking the picture, what people don't understand is like for somebody to take a baby monkey, they actually have to kill the mom because they're very social animals and they are like us humans. Like you, you wouldn't give your child away easily. So that was a big issue. And also them stealing the babies from the from the too, for them, for them to have this this just one picture so that that movement has been really big and we really enforce it that people need to know this part that it is um something that that has to stop because i mean i think it's part of education that people don't know this so we are here in costa rica it is actually like if you as a rescue center have volunteers taking selfies with animals you can uh, that's where it's come starting this year actually. Okay. Wow. That's, that's actually really cool. That's
0: really cool that the government has gotten behind it in such a strong way. Because I think to your point, it's, um, people don't know, you know, when they come in as a tourist, you just put all these stories behind like, oh, you know, I'm sure this, this baby loves being held or whatever, you know, and it's, um, it's really been, like you said, I feel like the awareness now, hopefully, is becoming much more clear that, you know, if you're a tourist traveling to all these different countries, there's very rarely going to be a situation that there's a, an animal that wants you holding it, right? So,
1: Um, yeah, correct. Yeah. And yeah, it's something uh, that needs to be like for tourists to know. I have had a lot of tours come in at first and like the first thing they said is, um, I want a picture with a sloth, I want to pull the sloth. And like at the beginning, I see people getting very upset when I try to explain to them, but when they finish the tour, they totally understand. And they actually are very grateful that now they have this knowledge and they can tell other people uh, what goes behind these selfies, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not, I mean, you can take pictures, but it's about basically holding the animal or grabbing it because that gives them stress unless you are a volunteer that's here for like two months that is actually involved with the babies. Like there is no reason for any other person to actually be holding a sloth when that would actually cause them stress, Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, that's,
0: um, you know, it's, it just kind of makes my heart warm as you tell that story because I think for when you mentioned how the the guest says, oh, I'm going to go back and tell my friends this because it's like, that's like the best way I feel like to get the message out there is from one person to the next, to the next, to just share these things that we're kind of learning new about animals that unless you were involved really deeply with animals in the past, you didn't even know that this was the case, you know? So, um, it, I don't know. It just makes me excited to hear (laughs) that they want to go back and tell their friends like, Hey, don't do the selfie. It's it's just something, I guess, so simple that, um, yeah, it helps. Um, I wonder if, um, we can just talk a bit quickly about your journey into this, because I know that you've had a lot of ups and downs being involved in animal welfare. And I think from what I've read about you, you started as a child. Did you grow up um,
1: helping animals as a child with your parents? Uh, well, I, I actually, like, I've always loved animals. Um, like I was that, 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 little girl that would also always be bringing, Uh, the stray cat, or whatever she found on the street home. Uh, My mom is an animal person too. So uh, we actually, yeah, I've always been like very involved with animals. But usually when we moved to Limón with my family, uh, that's where like I started with uh, becoming more wildlife. Uh, The first uh, time was that I got a, a slot that was electrocuted in the power lines and there were no rescue centers in the area. So the firefighter pretty much gave me the slot and was like, deal with it. And I was like, okay. And oh my gosh. <laughs> so I started calling different places to see what we could do. And I started getting many replies on how to raise uh, the slots. And, and that was the first time. After that, they just kept bring in different animals uh, and it was an ongoing thing like it started like weekly um, I would get another sloth or or a monkey or or something so I need. I knew something had to be done um, and then I used to walk the beach in the morning and I started seeing that there was leatherback um, nests in that area so that's when I got involved cast um, which was pretty much the people that that later came and gave me all the training. And uh, we were involved with protecting the turtles and also have the rescue center part in the farm. So, so it was pretty exciting. It was very, very nice. However, the area of Limon is pretty dangerous when it comes to poaching. And I, I, we did have to stop because I lost my friend on the beach. And that was the time that I decided that we had to take a break from everything for a while. Uh, while well, did my, my morning and came back to San Jose. But I, like after four years, I saw that I was going insane, not having animals again in my life. So I, I started again. I started back again. And, and it, it's actually like, this is a place that I know that I have to be. Like, this is what I do in life. This is like my purpose.
0: You know, how amazing to know so clearly what your purpose is. And I think that um, it's also so obvious because you have a special, how how do we, I don't know how to describe it, but there's something special that you have, um, just like a connection with the animals that is just a calm, safe, um, I guess, vibe <laughs> that you give yeah. off that, that works well with them. And I think that's probably why, you know, people brought so many animals to you and it just kind of naturally became your journey. So I feel like it does make sense that um, you are so clear now that that's what you're meant to do. And I feel like, that's just really exciting and such a gift to the world um, that you're willing to do it because I do know it's been very difficult for you. And I wonder if you can give us a little bit of insight into the dangerous side of it in the poaching. Why are people poaching the animals? What, what is there to gain in that? I assume money, but why? Like, why are they taking the animals?
1: Well, with with the part of the sea turtles, uh, the eggs were seen as an aphrodisiac uh, and as a, I don't know, like a cultural part. Uh, so like a turtle can be sold for $2. So a poach, $300 a night. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was a big, big fight. It is illegal to sell or to consume turtle eggs in Costa Rica, but there's this tiny loophole, which is um, Ostional, which is, uh, um, the, in Ostional they have the Arribadas. So there's tons of tons of turtle eggs and they use a certain part legally to sell them. However, this is used to, um, like, for them to say that, all the eggs that they sell everywhere are femoral. So it is a, a a big big loophole that we're having right now. And the other part is um I think drug dealers and keeping wildlife as pets go hand in hand and this is why it is dangerous too. Um, a lot of the drug dealers have have monkeys, have you know wild cats Uh, it's it's part of their way of of seeing power so they do pay a lot of money for this this animals so uh, that's why it it can it is kind of dangerous because when you take the animals from them when the police comes they still they still have a lot of anger issues towards the the rescues and and I think yeah that's that's pretty much it like I have a a pretty sad story of a monkey that we're trying to get right now. It's in another rescue, but he was owned by a drug dealer. And I know he cut his finger and used to, um, to put his, his cigarette butts out on him. So this monkey has serious trauma issues. And, and that's why we want to bring him because he's, he's having a hard time in the other rescue and, and they're really full. So, we're trying to see if we can give him a, a better home here. So that well, <laughs> I kind of run along my mouth everywhere, but but yeah, that's pretty much the dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Though no, that's that's amazing. And thank you
0: for sharing all of that because it um it helps those of us that are far away from it understand a little better. And it also puts to light um how brave you have to be to do what you're doing. And um, also, just I feel like an emotional roller coaster that you must live like that you've you've learned to live on and you've learned um, how to be able to weather the ups and downs, but I have to imagine that it's still really difficult. Um, my last question for you is just how do you do that? How do you manage those up and downs? And do you have advice for anybody um, just on it? You know, if someone is thinking about how they want to get into this, you know, sort of line of work and they want to help animals, the reality is they're there's, you know, there's what they call it, compassion fatigue, right? And there's just a lot of stressful ups and downs to it. Do you have any advice for anybody who is thinking about that and how to weather it a little better?
1: Well, <laughs> the advice that I have, uh, they may not like it, but um, I pretty much remember when I I lost one of my fur lots, um, and I was I was a mess, complete mess. Like I was crying, going insane, because they do become part of your life. And I remember a vet, one of the first vets that was helping me out, she told me, this is going to happen 70% of, of the time. So if you can't take it, then you should look into another field. But if you see it as a way of learning and growing, and knowing that you did the best for this animal, and learn from your mistakes. And, you know, knowing that you're going to save more animals that actually will die, then that's, that's your main focus. So like, it is a roller coaster, like we've had many emotional moments here at the rescue, um, when we have to lose an animal, or even happy moments when you release one. But at at the end, you have to focus in your goal, which is you know, that you're doing the best to save these animals and, and yeah, you have to focus on the positive and to see, you know, focus on the release, focus on the part that you're making their lives better, that if it wasn't for the rescue that these animals would be dead. So that's, that's pretty much, uh, you have to be strong, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you have to stay focused on the main goal. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right.
0: The reality is that, you know, the other option would be you don't do it. And then all of those animals that you have saved don't have that opportunity. Right. So, um, yeah, I can see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there's so much good to focus on. And, um, you know, I have to tell you, thank you for what you do. And I'm sure every single one of our listeners is telling you, you know, this (laughs) virtual thank you for what you do. And I, um, I hope that some people will come look you up and come stay. And if anyone wants to talk to me about going, I'm, I'm working on trying to figure out how to go. Um, and, and, Yeah, so is there anything else, Vanessa, that you would like to
1: share with people that I haven't hit on? Um no, just yeah, no, just I think we cover it. The the big thing that that I really wanna continue to share is the stop animal selfie part, just educating people on this part because it it is a big, big deal right now, I think worldwide. Um, and, and and yeah, just to know that people, just by, by you guys coming here to volunteer um, or helping us in any way, like every little bit helps. Um, we have still a lot to grow. Um, we have a lot of projects, very much focusing on our hospital right now for the wildlife care. And that's like our, our big second part where, where we're aiming right now. But... Like you said, if if you guys want to come to volunteer, that would really, really help us out right now because that is like the way that we have been supporting the rescue all this time.
0: That makes sense. And I feel like that's, it's such a smart business model as well, you know, because everybody wins the people who come to volunteer and, you know, you and the animals. And, um, I'm really, really hopeful that we are seeing that start to ramp back up now for you, for sure. Um, Thank you so much, Vanessa, for jumping on. I know it's really hard to get on the phone there where you're at with all the animals and with the internet. And um, I'm just really excited that we got to share part of your story here today and introduce people to you. Um, So I'm really thankful that you were willing to jump on here with me and share all of
1: this. No, thank you guys so much. I I mean, uh, thank you for helping us out and, and bringing a little bit of light towards our rescue.
0: That's all for today's interview. If you enjoyed my talk with Vanessa, you may enjoy episode number 21 with Jason Bliss. In his episode, we talk about ecological impact centers in Costa Rica and his experience building and running one of his own. Our charity of the month this month is Rescue Center Costa Rica. And what that means is that as a community, we're coming together to support Vanessa and her charity. You could do that as easily as jumping over onto social media and liking what she's doing, following her and sharing her posts. Um, She's on Instagram at Rescue Center CR, or if you go to rescuecenter.com, you can find links to all of her social uh, media channels on her homepage. And if you enjoyed the show today, I have a favor to ask you. Will you tell a friend? Word of mouth is the easiest way for us to grow the podcast. It's super easy. You can just tell them to go to foranimalsforearth.com slash podcast. And on that page, we have links to all of the major streaming platforms. All right, guys. Thank you so much for your ongoing continued support. I really could not do this without you. I will see you next week. Bye.